0: From the Carter Subaru Studios, this is
1: Cairo Nights with Jake Skorheim. Welcome to Cairo Nights. So glad you guys are joining us. I am Jake Skorheim, your host. We have a fantastic show for you tonight. I'm not kidding when I tell you. We have such an abundance of riches, of audio, and things to laugh at, and interesting stories. Political, -political, non-political, historical musical we've got great guests the whole show everything just stellar so stick around for the entire show i beg of you you're gonna enjoy it and if you don't have time to stick around for the full show you can always catch it on the podcast we put everything up on the podcast as soon as the show ends we deliver it to you in crystal clear hd you're gonna love it i promise uh download the podcast cairo nights with jake skorheim wherever you get your podcast. That's where you can get it, and uh, it's great, I promise you. All right, so I have a lot of stuff to talk about, so I'm just going to jump right in. I'm just going to get right to it, but before we get to it on this rainy Wednesday evening, before we get to it, of course, I have to play this trivia clip, which is something that everybody really loves. If you think you know what the answer is, you can try to hit us up on the Muckleshoot Casino Resort text line at 888 973 That's 888 888- 973-5476. Or if you have a uh, phone that shows you what those numbers mean, it's 973, which is our call letters, our numbers, call numbers, and then Cairo, which is our call letters. 5476 spells Cairo. Did you guys know that? It's just a little fun trivia. I wasn't sure if you were aware of that. All right. We play these trivia clips. Uh, it's from movies that I love that just live in my head because I just love them so much that I can recite word for word, line for line. I'm not going to tell you what it is until the start of the next hour. You can guess on the text line, and we'll try to get to you if we can. We get a lot of text messages these days, so we can't respond to every single one of them. But uh, I will tell you at the start of the next hour, at the top of the news roundup, what the answer is. But for now, here's here's the trivia. Good luck.
0: The traffic is approaching head on. Alter right and really moving. And right by it, right now. Now that was really close. Aries thirty one is out of three four zero on the traffic pattern. Ask them if they uh, want to report opposition. officially.
1: Ewa five seventeen, do you want to report a UFO over? Ewa five seventeen, do you want to report a UFO over? Negative. We don't want to report. Aries thirty one, do you wish to report a UFO
0: over? we want to report
1: one of those either. No, we don't want to report one of those either. All right, if you guys know what that is, hit us up, let us know. Uh, you should know. It's a very easy, low-hanging fruit, for sure. All right, let's get right into it. What the heck? I don't mean to use such strong language, but I'm going to. What the heck is going on with the Washington State Ferry System? Here's a little personal story for you. I want to give you guys a little peek. I want to peel back the curtain a little bit into my personal life. Which I, which I do all the time, so uh, I hope you guys don't mind it. All right, so this over this weekend, this long holiday weekend, I was off to go see my in-laws, who are not super young, so it's kind of like it's on us, really, to try to visit them as much as possible, because getting over to this side of the water is not like the, the easiest thing for them, especially with how difficult the Washington State Ferry system has become. So I was planning on going over to my in-laws on, I think it was Saturday that we were going to go. We are going to go over Saturday morning and spend the day there. So uh, the boat we normally take, my in-laws live over near Port, uh, Port Townsend. So we decided to take the Edmonds-Kingston run. But my wife, smartly, looked up online and saw the uh, traffic cams, the ferry traffic cams, which gives you some idea about how long the wait's going to be for the ferry boat. And so she sees that it's backed up all the way up the hill, super far back, which is not super common this time of year. Normally, you can get on fairly quick. It's become more difficult these last couple of years, but usually on a, on a rainy Saturday morning, you have a pretty good chance of getting on fairly quick. But not Saturday because, according to the website, staff shortage, crew shortage, whatever they call it. That's not cool. Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. So we decide... All right, let's not sit in the Edmonds-Kingston run. Let's see if we can get over there faster if we take one of the other boats. So we decide, hey, why don't we drive up north? It's a pretty drive. We get to drive up past Camano Island, all that pretty stuff up there. Let's try the Coopville Port Townsend run. That's a smaller ferry boat for sure. So it's kind of a risk. And so we decide, why don't we go up there, see if we can get in. So there's a 1220 boat. It's by 10 o'clock in the morning. Should take about an hour and change to get up, an hour and a half and change to get up there. Ends up taking us about two hours to get up there. So we get up there at 12.20. The boat's about to leave at 12.30. They say, well, we can't get you on this boat. I say, all right, when's the next boat? They say one fifteen. So we're like, all right, uh, we'll take tickets for the one fifteen. They say, well, we can't get you on the one fifteen. We can get you on the 2.45. Now, here's the thing. With three kids, a three-hour wait in the car, no thank you.
0: The children are screaming. The children are screaming.
1: What we ended up doing was you can reserve tickets on the Coopville boat, which is actually kind of sweet. I don't know why they don't do this on every single ferry uh, in the region. They should. You should be able to reserve tickets. So we reserved tickets, and we decided instead to go over to Fort Casey. It ended up being a really lovely Saturday morning, so that was actually kind of nice. But this problem about a crew shortage, this is ridiculous. Como actually covered the story just last month. Uh, this is from a Como article. They said the Washington State Ferry System said it will need to hire 96 new ferry crew members every year in perpetuity to restore 18-vessel service in 2025 and maintain that level of service. The Washington State Ferry System said it expects crewing levels to increase over the next 18 to 24 months, which should increase reliability And allow for crewing of more crewing, sorry, and allow for more crewing of vessels during busy periods. But riders need to get used to the new normal of the ferry service, which is expected to continue almost until the end of the decade. And then this quote from a rider: "Disappointing if you are going to try and drive on. If you're walking, it works a lot better." Now that's true. You can actually walk on much faster, and if you are able to do that, I highly, highly recommend it. But if you can't and you're stuck trying to drive on. It really is infuriating. It's super infuriating. I don't know why they're still having this problem. I understand they have a very old fleet. And some of these boats, like one of the boats that I rode just the other day, was like 60 years old or something crazy. It was like built in the 1960s. It was one of the oldest in the fleet. And it's still running, which is amazing and, and great. I love that they're running these boats for a long time. It means we're getting our money's worth. But the problem that I'm having is they know that they need more people on these boats. Hire them so you don't have to miss service. There's no reason, if you have the boats available, there's no reason why uh, uh, the Edmonds-Kingston run shouldn't be running at full capacity. You not hiring enough people, Washington State Ferries, that's purely on you. And it makes me sick. It makes me sick because I have to sit in the car with my kids even longer. All right, uh, let's move on. Washington. This is really interesting. Washington, apparently, I already knew this, but uh, Mickey Gomez has this really interesting story. It's on MyNorthwest.com. You guys should check it out. Washington has become a hotspot for UFOs. UFOs. <laughs> This is, of course, a very famous scene from a great movie. I'm not going to say what movie is this from because this is actually also related to the trivia question we talked about just a couple minutes ago. Uh, but Washington, listen to this in the article, unidentified flying objects or UFOs, if you guys aren't aware, have been a topic of fascination and intrigue for decades. According to a report by Axios, Seattle has become a hotspot for UFO sightings with 86.5 sightings per 100,000 residents. Uh, annually between 2000, 2023, this figure significantly surpasses the national average of 34.3 sightings. Listen to this, but that doesn't make us the top spot for UFO sightings. The biggest hotspot, no surprise is down by area 51 says the national UFO reporting center spokesperson, Christian Stepien, who said, we think mainly because many people actually go down there to look for UFOs. Now I don't know how you guys feel about UFOs. I'm really fascinated by them. I don't know that I totally believe in UFOs. I believe people see things. I don't know why people see things. I don't know why they have such crazy stories. But there is a part of me that likes to believe these unbelievable stories. There's just something fun about it. It's like this, uh, you know that that childhood wonder or something that I still have deep inside my heart that I like to believe that these stories can can be uh, can be true and real. I also love movies like the one referenced above, which I love so much. You guys remember this scene? Again, I can't say the name of the movie. I wish I could, but that would give away the trivia answer. But the, this movie is just, it's one of the all-time best. I will say it's directed by Steven Spielberg. It does a great job. Give her six quavers, then pause. She sent us four quavers, a group of five quavers, a group of four semi quavers. Didn't those guys all sound like Jimmy Carter? Um, anyway, so uh, Washington is a m- big area for UFO sightings. And we're going to talk to Mickey Gomez about this in just a little bit. So stay tuned to that. It's really interesting. And I'm fascinated by UFOs. And also at night on kind of a rainy, dark Wednesday night. Doesn't it feel like the time to talk about kind of strange things that are out there? All right, this next story, I was so excited when I saw this. I was so excited to share this story with you guys. We see all sorts of news all the time, on the internets, everywhere. And this is just one of those things. I just couldn't wait to talk about it with you. If you guys are aware of New York City, which I'm sure you are, you've heard of it, uh, it's got a lot of crime. Cops are getting beaten up in the streets. And things are not going super great in New York City. It seems like all the time, actually. It seems like New York is just one of those cities because it's so huge. There's so many people. They just perpetually have a ton of problems. But it looks like the New York Police Department has reached way down, and they have come up with an answer to all these problems. It's a way to get the community engaged. Uh, And what I'm asking when you see this story, you're actually going to hear it. This is radio. Uh, When you hear this story, if anybody from the SPD, anyone from the Seattle Police Department is listening... Please, please do this, just so we can talk about it. New York City, the New York Police Department, has started a dance troupe. PIX11, which is a uh, new station in New York, talked to this dance troupe. They actually had them dance. We have audio of all this, so I'm going to play this for you in just a second. Hearing it, though, and seeing it are two very different things. And I'm not trying to make fun of these uh, ladies, uh, many of them lady cops, who are dancing. Um, That would be mean, and I'm not trying to make fun of them. I'm going to just let you listen to it. You can decide how you feel about this. Do you think this is good community outreach? Or do you feel like this is a waste of time? and They should be doing something else with their time. All right. This is from PIX11, the New York PD dance troupe. This is how they intro them on the show. So when they are not serving and protecting the community, these members of the NYPD like to bust a move. Oh, yes. Okay. They are the NYPD dance team, and they are looking for a few good people who share their passion for dancing, Yes, share their passion for dancing. Uh, all right, so why do they do it? And where are they dancing? So why and where are they dancing? So the goal of the team is to make sure that we have some... This is the uh, the dance troop leader. In a space... Also, just to give you some visuals, if you don't have a chance to look this up, just Google New York PD dance troupe, NYPD dance troupe. These ladies are all dressed as... Uh, do you guys remember... Um, I'm trying to think what would be a good, like, or like, just like, think of your average, uh, uh dance team on like a, you know, like a hip hop dance team or, or on the sidelines of an NBA, uh, any NBA team has dancers and they just look like you're, t- you know, they're just dancers, but they're all NYPD dancers, which is uh, odd.
0: To do the, like have a mental release our mental you know, yeah, stress, stress, our mental yeah. issues. Cause you know, we have a lot of things we see on the job from any kind of robbery or any kind of, you know, just any kind of crime. So we have to have a space to decompress and just have a space to relax and have fun. Wow. And you also do a little bit of community service. Right? Yes, absolutely. Out? So we do like going into the community, especially going to the schools to make sure that the kids have a place to exercise. So we do a lot of little intensive with the kids and do that. We also go to parades and galas.
1: Parades and galas, and they just love to dance. And, and dance. dance. Oh, man, you got moves better than Winky, I Moves think. better than Winky. All right, so then PIX11, which is again, New York uh, uh, news station, they have these uh, NYPD dance troop members dance for them, and they dance to, uh, for a long time. It's a long time, if I'm being completely honest. And, again, I'm not making fun. If it helps these cops do their job better, then... How can you not be supportive of something like this? That would make you a monster if you didn't support something like this. Although the internet is not supporting this, like super, super. good. Most people are saying that they wish that New York would focus on other things, but they are focusing on a dance troupe, it seems. Um, so this is them dancing. I'm going to play just a little slice of this. I can't play too long because one, we are an audio medium, so you can't actually see them dancing. And two, they danced for like four minutes, which is a long time to watch a grown-up who's not a professional dancer dance way too long. Like a five second dance would have probably done it. And I would have gotten the idea. I don't even know that they need to dance, to be honest. Like I understand what a dance troupe does. And I could probably just like put two and two together in my head. I could form that picture on my own. That's what the imagination is for. You don't necessarily have to sit there and watch for four minutes to see them dancing. But this is what that sounded like.
0: What are you going to perform for us today? So today we're dancing to "Club Can't Handle Me by Flo Rida.
1: My, it's my I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Jam. <laughs> Alright, we're going to let you perform? Awesome, thank
0: you.
1: Thanks. Alright, now they're dancing, they're doing things, you know, they're putting their hands together, they're, they're all wearing knee pads and shaking their legs and... Well, they're dancing exactly what it sounds like. They're just dancing and they're doing choreographed moves and little kicks. They're doing little kicks. In fact, some of the kicks were very high uh, or kind of high. Actually, one of the dancers could do a high kick. The rest of the dancers were not high kicking. One of the dancers who's the troop leader, I think she got a high kick in there but it uh, it got rave reviews from the the hosts of this morning show. Did you see Kicks? I would not want to I'm mess up with that. them in the middle of a dark alley. <laughs> wow. No, <laughs> no, you wouldn't. I don't know if this is going to be a huge crime deterrence, if I'm being completely honest. I don't know if a bunch of uh, uh, a bunch of New York PD, NYPD uh, uh, officers in skin tight clothing and knee pads dancing to Flowrider is probably the crime deterrent that they might think it is. I'm not somebody from the East Coast, so I don't know, but it did remind me of this from Arrested Development. Tobias's plan to change the streets with his gang also turned out to be ill-conceived. Hey, Fazellas. <laughs> Looks like you guys are up to no good. Well, this gang used to be like that two, three, four. So you think you're tough? Well, we hate rapping. But don't bust a cappin', because here's what's happening. We're breaking out some old-fashioned tapping. Hey, but the new gang of town. Gang in oh, gang in <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've been shot! We miscalculated! Retreat! Oh, I've been shot. All right. Uh, so that's the New York PD dance troupe. Again, if you guys get a chance, go on to Google and just Google search NYPD Dance Troupe. And you're going to see that. You're going to see a lot of people having not a great reaction to it. And it wasn't wildly... I don't know if I would say that it's uh, wildly unsuccessful. Clearly, they're they're making waves and a lot of people are talking about it. I don't know if uh, if people in New York are loving this, if I'm being completely honest. But again, if they did this in Seattle, I think it kind of fits Seattle. And I think Seattle... SPD should have a dance troupe for sure. I think this would be great. Uh, I actually think seeing an SPD dance troupe like walking down the street, snapping, right? Like the Jets. Uh, I think they could do a good job deterring crime. If that would be the point of it in Seattle. I, maybe, maybe Seattle wouldn't care about deterring crime. They don't seem to care about deterring too much crime right now. But maybe a dance troupe could get out there and uh, make a positive impact on the community. And then magically people would just stop doing crime and stop doing drugs, and would stop uh, uh, stealing cars. That's another big thing. Like maybe at a at one of these uh, Kia Boys uh, car thieving incidents, you just send the dance troupe out there, right? Pretty intimidating, if I'm being completely honest. Like even as I'm snapping, I'm getting a little nervous because I'm thinking about these people uh, coming at me with their knee pads and their tight outfits, and I don't like it. So it might work. All right, we got a lot more coming up on the show. Stick around. Matt, tell them what we got coming. On tonight's edition of Cairo Nights, we'll be joined by Kate Stone to discuss the mayor's state of the city address. Also, a case of lyrical
0: theft that involves one of rock and roll's biggest bands. Find out who. And that's not all. Matt Markovich will have the story of how the dissolving of the Pac-12 is hitting WSU in the pocketbook. And Mickey Gomez, here to talk UFOs. That's all on the way here on Cairo Nights with Jake Skorheim.
1: You're listening to Cairo Nights with Jake Scoreheim. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. I have a very special guest on with me right now, Kate Stone, Cairo Hello. News Radio reporter. Welcome to the show. Thank you. All right, so Kate, we are going to talk about, you have an article up on mynorthwest.com. People I can do. check it out. Yes. It's about the state of Seattle, which yes. we talk about a lot mm-hmm. on the news station, mm-hmm. but anybody who's ever visited downtown recently... Right. Um, You might have a strong opinion about what Seattle looks like.
0: Right. Well, you might have a strong opinion about what it looks like, but you might also remember what it looked like two years ago. And maybe you think it looks better. Maybe you think it looks worse. But this is the second year of Seattle Mayor Bruce Harrell's term. And he gave his second state of the city address yesterday and kind of summed up the accomplishments that his administration has had from last year and where they hope to go now. And so what is the state of Seattle, you might ask?
1: The state of our city, if one was to ask us, I would describe it as being persistent, um, pioneering.
0: So not exactly saying... (laughs) Glowing review.
1: Persistent is how you describe a stalker, but go ahead. Yeah. It's not like it, not mean, like it doesn't make you feel super great about it.
0: Exactly. Exactly. But. Obviously, the city is facing a lot of challenges, still recovering from the pandemic, got a fentanyl crisis, you know, crime, et cetera. And Harold didn't shy away from that. He definitely acknowledged that there are some things that need to be worked on. Now, he is set to unveil in a couple of weeks the One Seattle Plan. We've been waiting for the One Seattle Plan. It's the comprehensive, overarching plan that the city council is supposed to use for the next decade to kind of plan out where the city's going to go. It was supposed to come out last April. It has not yet come out, and it's supposed to come out in the next two weeks, so that should give us a better picture. Just
1: one year late.
0: <laughs> it, but it should give us a better picture of just what exactly – Uh, The future is going to look like, but Harold did give us a little bit of a preview and he essentially started with talking about the fentanyl crisis where he believes he's had a lot of success legislation to address the public consumption of drugs. So the drug ordinance, which we've talked about before uh, making a $27 million investment in facilities and treatment programs. And then Seattle fire launched their dispatch program to help people with drug overdoses in the downtown area. And, Harrell says, the Seattle Police Department seized 2 million fentanyl pills last year.
1: And this is a, this is a positive, he, he's he making positive, this is a positive inroads positive into thing. the fight on fentanyl. Exactly,
0: yes. Uh, then he also talked about crime. And, believe it or not, overall crime in 2023 dropped 7% uh, citywide. Major violent crime fell 6%. Property crime actually went down 10%. But there was one area where crime went up.
1: Homicides and the damage inflicted from gun violence have increased. We have to change this.
0: Yeah, so we had a record-breaking number of homicides last year.
1: So, uh, but not ideal. But he's saying that everywhere else is just swimming along, going
0: well, great. Well, swimming along might be well, a little bit persistent. of a rosy Well, it's persistent. I think his, word, his, his description was exactly. persistent. Persistent. It's been persistent. He actually referenced Winston Churchill, which is, you know, always a, a, an interesting one, given that Churchill was the World War II leader. Uh, so, you know, known for so his... So he feels
1: like he's fighting a battle. He entrenched.
0: Feels, yeah, yeah, entrenched uh, efforts. But it's
1: interesting that he feels like fentanyl, that he's doing such a great job with fentanyl, uh, the war on fentanyl. I was shown a video just the other day, just outside of our right. station here, actually, of right. somebody doing fentanyl right across the street, right. which is so commonplace now. Mm-hmm. that people just go, yeah, like, do you know, what I, I, I had to tell my kids the other day because it was uh, they were all passing around candy from mm-hmm. Valentine's Day mm-hmm. and they were all eating candy. I'm just and I hate the idea that this goes through my head, but it does go through my head now. Right. I went, where did you get that candy? Like, do we know for sure that that came from your friends? And where did they get this candy? Now this is probably just a paranoid parent who is thinking nope. too much about this, but this is the horror stories that nope, I see there, sometimes. There
0: have been kids, kids in find- the Bellevue school district yes. who ate what they thought was candy. What that they thought was, was laced candy. With which
1: was actually laced with fentanyl, <laughs> then they have horrible overdoses. Right. Awful things are happening. Right. And so you it know, really is a
0: different world than it was, you know, when you and I were growing
1: up. Like when we were growing up, we were worried about that old horror story about there being a razor blade in an sure. apple. So you just don't eat the apple. Or
0: like, you know, stealing a candy bar from a grocery store, not boosting Kias. I yeah. I mean, like, it's And it's now a it's different... like, it's
1: Kia boys. Yeah. It's uh, fentanyl, which looks like any garden variety candy that a kid might pick up. Right. So you're constantly having to like tell your kids, like, stay away from this stuff. Mm-hmm. So the idea that Bruce Harrell, mayor of Seattle, is saying that, yeah, we're really crushing it on drugs and everything's going great. We're down 10% or whatever the number That's... was-
0: Yeah, to be fair, nationally, there's not a single city that's really winning this war on fentanyl at the moment. So everybody's just trying things and hoping that something will stem the tide. Are
1: we not are we still not arresting people for, who are open air doing drugs in the city of Seattle though?
0: It is illegal. It is a misdemeanor. However, there is but a But are they
1: arresting people who are doing drugs in public? To
0: my understanding, yes, in in certain kind of areas, they did do a, a mass arrest in downtown a few months ago. Uh Is everyone being arrested? Obviously not, because you can see people out on the sidewalks. All
1: the time. Right. Yeah. But- When I was growing up, and I'm not trying to sound like an old fuddy daddy, but when I was growing up, people had a general fear about doing drugs in public. Right. Like, I remember when I was in high school, and the stoner kids would be smoking weed. They generally tried to hide from the police officers when they were doing this, because they were afraid that they'd be arrested, and then their lives would be ruined.
0: See- listen to what you just said, police officers. Seattle is down 1,400 police officers in the force.
1: Did he talk about that in the city Seattle plan? Yes, because both
0: he and the Seattle City Council, one of their number one priorities with public safety is officer recruitment.
1: We are urgently recruiting more police officers who share our values. Our monthly applications are the highest they've ever been in three years.
0: He says they're getting about 200 applications a month. Uh, on average, but uh, it's not clear if all of those are qualified applicants because uh, it's not really clear what the application process is. I've actually asked his office about that, haven't gotten a response.
1: Also, uh, right there he said we're trying to recruit officers who share our values. Right. Are their values public safety? Well, like what are the what are these values? And do they have like if they're good officers, let's say you have a really good officer in Kirkland. Right. Who doesn't necessarily share the values of somebody who lives in Seattle, whatever that value is. I can't say what that is. Are they just not going to hire that person?
0: You know, you bring up a really good point and I can't exactly. I know you can't answer it.
1: This is is more of a question out there for the listener.
0: The Seattle Police Department has gone through a bit of a changeover identity crisis, what have you. I mean, there's been a lot of stuff that has happened to the department. They are at their lowest staffing level since the early 90s. Now there was the defund the police movement. They lost hundreds of officers. That's why they're down, all these these officers. That's partially why, but they also had the federal rulings over use of excessive force during the Black Lives Matter protests. And the fallout it's, from defund the police, as we mentioned, it's all
1: it's all baked it's all baked into the same thing. There's I, also
0: multiple lawsuits alleging from both men and women alleging racism and sexism within the department. There's essentially just just a culture problem that that the higher ups, Chief Diaz, has said they are trying to rectify.
1: Here's here's the reason that I have heard from friends of mine who were former police officers, and I have. I don't even know why. I just have a lot of friends right now who used to be cops recently, like in the last two years, and Mm -hmm. have no no longer are cops. Mm -hmm. They don't get support. They just don't get support. And they say, we're putting ourselves out there every single day. We're putting ourselves into dangerous situations and we're opening ourselves up to massive lawsuits. They're also in situations constantly having to deal with drug problems that they didn't have to deal with five years ago. And that's all they do now is just respond to drug problems. There's certainly
0: some arguments on both sides, but the new city council has actually come out and said, uh, Council President Sarah Nelson has said, we're going to let police police. Good. The last city council was a lot more into oversight. And this city council has said, we want to give Seattle police all the resources they need to build the department back up because they believe that that is the answer to a lot of the challenges facing the city. The last thing is, that Mayor Harrell mentioned is the serious looming money problem. We are starting next year projected to have an average of between two hundred and thirty and two hundred and fifty million dollars in shortfall. And Mayor Harrell did say during this address, no new taxes. So new taxes not Great. happening. Good. Bad news is that means spending cuts, and that means some programs are going to get cut. The problem is we don't know which ones. It seems pretty clear that public safety is not going to be on that list because Good. they are so supportive of the police department, but there's a lot of other programs that could get hit, and at this point, it's kind of an unknown what exactly those will be. Yeah, The mayor says they're going to analyze it, but a lot of the things that people may not even realize they rely on could be in jeopardy if it if it seems like- Those programs are not serving the public, but things like the dual dispatch program that just launched where they send social workers out with police, if that's not generating results, that's one of them that could be on the line.
1: Good. Cut it if it's not generating results exactly like you said if it's not working then let's not spend money on it but what about city governments city governments are so bloated so bloated if they're down 250 million dollars it's because they're spending too much i have a financial plan that i have to live within i have to live within my means i know how much money i'm bringing in every single month and if i spend more than that i'm in trouble the city should have to do the same thing kate stone Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. All right, we got a lot more coming up. Stick around. We're going to be right back here on Cairo Nights. You're listening to Cairo Nights with Jake Skorheim. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. All right, do you guys like the Eagles? Of course you do. Do you like uh, Hotel California? Of course you do. So why is this in the news? Why do you care? Why do I care? Well, I'm a big fan of the Eagles, actually. Uh, so listen to this. Nearly half a century after Hotel California became a rock mega hit, three men went on trial. This is from the Associated Press. Uh, three men went on trial today in a criminal case about what became of a cache of hand-drafted lyrics to this to this song, uh, Hotel California and other Eagles favorites. The key witness is expected to be Eagles co-founder Don Henley, who wants to recover these manuscripts, who he says was stolen. Uh, The defendants are some collect—they're in the collectibles world, basically—and they have these documents. Don Henley claims that they are ill-gotten. They claim that they are not or didn't know where they came from. So we're going to see how this court case plays out. Really, the whole point of this, though, was just so I could play this fantastic song.
0: Such a lovely face,
1: such a lovely face. This is my go to song whenever I'm flying. I just like and pump this thing up on the earbuds. California. I slam two Heineken because I'm not a great flyer. It's I just like cruise out, listen to the Eagles. You can find it here. What I also love about this song, just another excuse just to play this the dueling guitar part of the song. This is pretty great music.
0: But you can never leave.
1: This is Joe Walsh and Don Felder. So Don Felder gave an interview to iHeartRadio, and I was just reading this, and I found this fascinating. Um, he says, uh, he's a former former Eagles guitarist. He says he came up with this chord progression while strumming a 12-string guitar on the couch at his Malibu beach house in 1976. This song became a massive hit in 1977. So uh, this is just before uh, the song became a giant, massive hit, obviously because we're telling him a story about him writing it. So he rushed to his room and he recorded this quick, really raw demo. So he says, at the end of the demo, I made up what I thought would be a part that I would play and something that Joe would play. He says in the interview, uh, he says that he indicated that he recorded the lead simply as guides with the expectation that he and Joe Walsh would just iron out the rest when they got into the studio. But when the two guitarists began working on new parts, when they were in Miami actually recording this, Don Henley just said, No, I just love it too much. Like, whatever Don did earlier, do that note for note. The problem was that this demo he had was in his house back in Malibu. They were in Miami. So, here's how they fixed that problem Felder says, We were sitting in Miami in the recording studio doing those guitars. I had left my original cassette in my studio in Los Angeles in Malibu. So, I had to call my housekeeper, had her go find the cassette, put it in a blaster, play it over the phone so that we could then record it in the studio in Miami. This is back in the 1970s, so like well before they could have just like emailed it over. Then, this is Felder, he says, then I had to sit down and learn what I had just made up, note for note, from the hip, because Don wanted it to sound just like the demo. And then he says, I would say that over half of that solo on the end came off of my original demo, which is actually really phenomenal when you think about him just like plucking away, just coming up with something really fast. But it ended up being one of the best, uh, you know, dueling guitars in musical history and I wish I knew better words to describe it but it just is alright, we got a lot more coming up on the show, stick around we're going to be right back here on Kyra Knights.